So, Laura, I have a question for you. Have you ever squished your nanners? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have. And it is pretty fun. Yeah, because what do bananas feel like? All of our foods have a consistency. And it's different. Yeah, it's different. And we, I think oftentimes with our kids, like we just want them to get it in their mouth. Like we're so worried about this nutritional element, but we just never give them an opportunity to play with their food. They sometimes you just got to squish your nanners. Just got to squish the nanners. And I think that that's so important. I always look at, you know, when we're doing feedings and you know, I loved mealtime with my kids Mealtime with my kids was so much fun as they learned how to navigate this new world and and from all the senses, touch, smell, taste, seeing, hearing the food as it as it hit the floor. That was just so much fun. It's just one of my favorite memories with my kids. Well, and as dual dog owners, <laughs> Here's the trick. What do you recommend as we're teaching our kids and they're throwing their food off the tray to see how long it takes it to hit the floor and how fast it takes the dog to get there? But yeah, it is really so helpful to have (laughs) that dog to clean things up from below. And we've enjoyed that. But it's hard. Like if you like things clean and tidy, if you're kind of that type of person that just likes to have things in order This is really super challenging. It is challenging to take that time to let kids explore some of the messier aspects of food. So let's talk about that today. Let's talk about developing some developmentally appropriate table manners. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the moms on call. For nearly 20 years, Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they have this podcast to talk directly with you. Ask your questions at 888-234-7979. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. This week's episode is brought to you by Spoonful One. One of the most common questions we get is about when to introduce common allergens. As a parent, it can be overwhelming to try and get three different food groups in our kids' diet, much less a list of 16 or more. Enter Spoonful One, backed by landmark research and university-led studies This science-backed solution was developed by world-renowned pediatric allergist and mom. Spoonful One products provide gentle daily exposure to 16 food allergens. And this allows you to introduce multiple common allergens at one time. And as a parent, easy and simple is what we need. One packet, once a day, for one year. Go to SpoonfulOne.com backslash Moms on Call for more information and your exclusive offer for 35% off their award-winning products. Hey, moms. I'm Kelly, and I live in Chicago. 
My daughter is 14 months old now and has always been a good eater. But recently, she started throwing her food on the floor. And I just don't think she understands when I say no. Does she not like the food? Is she testing boundaries? I don't know. My husband thinks she's not old enough to be testing boundaries at just 14 months. And I think she's just too young to be a picky eater. How do we start proper table behavior on a level that is like age appropriate? I mean, right now the dog really enjoys it, (laughs) but I definitely do not. So any help, so much appreciated. Thank you. Kelly, it's so fun to hear from you. I have some friends that live right outside of the Chicago area. It is just a great, great place. And you asked some fantastic questions. And Laura and I have always said this. So some of the mantras that come with moms on call as you progress up into the toddler years, that feeding is so much more about the atmosphere than it is about the food. That feeding success can really be measured so much more in how the atmosphere is, how much fun did we have. And, you know, we are definitely, definitely going to address all the things that we can do to help you enjoy this feeding time together because it's your job to provide the food and it's their job to eat it or not. Not. Because that (laughs) happens. And food is just one of my favorite things. I love it. I love showing different textures of food. I love providing a variety of food options. I want my kids exploring and using all of those senses. And I do believe that it is so important at this early age to allow them those opportunities to explore. Because, you know, when they're adults, people may look at them funny when they're squishing their bananas. <laughs> you got to get better friends then. That's just. <laughs> well, you would, you would join me in that. I, awesome. would, I would. So, yeah, I think that, you know. Kelly, one of the things that you talked about is how frustrating it is, and and it is frustrating, but one of the things to look at right off the bat is how much food are we exposing her to. So if we limit that a little bit at a time, that tends to decrease some of that throwing of the food. So we want to make sure that we're not heaping, you know, adult-sized servings of three different food groups at a time where they've just got this mound of food on their tray or plate. So if we'll limit that to two or three pieces of two to three different food groups at a time, it really does help to not overwhelm that little 14-month-old who's getting to learn and see and smell and taste all of these incredible foods. Well, and we want to give them permission to have preferences. One of the things that, Laura, you've always said is, you know, just let things keep showing up. Like if they didn't like mushy sweet potatoes the first time that they tried it, that doesn't mean that they're never going to like it. And I've always said, like, you know, we don't have a bunch of toddlers who are super excited black coffee drinkers. (laughs) They just don't have the appreciation for the bitter flavors quite yet. And so they're just learning and exploring. So let things show up on a regular basis. And it's okay that they have some preferences. We're going to give them an opportunity to explore new tastes and textures. And then sometimes when we've had a hard day and, you know, the guy didn't come to fix the 
dishwasher and has three-hour window, and we're supposed to bring cupcakes to some event at night that we haven't even started. Uh, You know, we've got a million things on our plate, jobs and side hustles and other kids and play dates. and, And I just really don't have the wherewithal to be like, oh, food is fun moment. Sometimes it's okay to just provide a little bit at a time of the things that we know that they like. Yes. As it fits into our household routine and schedule. Right. So going back, Kelly, to, you know, how do you begin to set up some of these quote unquote table manners? How do we begin to instill in our kids what is okay and what's not? And setting up the correct atmosphere. And and one of the things that we talk about quite often is the design of our toddler. So knowing how our toddler is designed will also help with how these table manners are growing and becoming instilled in the family. So Laura, that's a great point. Who do you think out of the five designs in the SMART paradigm, which is social, movement, an engineer, rule follower, and touch, who do you think is most likely to throw stuff off the tray the most and for the longest amount of time? Oh my gosh, the movement kid, for sure. (laughs) I mean, hello, because they they are going to get that movement out one way or the other. And hey, they're going to be a really awesome pitcher at some point. (laughs) Think about it that way. This kid is going to be great at the throwing sports. Kelly, you really have a future. (laughs) I hope that makes you feel a little bit better. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, the movement kids do, and they want to sit still the least amount of time. So they're ready. Like, here, I'm going to throw this off the tray, and then we're done, and I can get out of this, you know, what do we call the the seat of you no know, movement, right? Yes, yes. They don't like to be strapped into anything. Um, so they're hard to feed, but they're all going to explore it according to design. And the ones that sit there, you may have had one kid or you're eating with your neighbor's kid. Oh my both gosh. Both of them are in their high chairs and they have a rule follower who is like, I would like to taste all of these different things one dainty bite at a time. And you just think, am I doing something wrong? No, you just have a different kid and your kid's an engineer and they want to know how it feels and how to smush it. And if they, you know, move it to a different place on the tray and if they throw it, they're really into exploring or a social kid. Oh my gosh. He's not super interested in eating. They just want to, you know, interact with everybody. But one tip I can give you. So if you have a touch kid, this will keep your child at the table eating food longer is touch kids need to know that at mealtime, you're still going to engage physical contact. So they need a little hair tousle. Um, But if they're in that high chair and you just are sitting next to them eating as well, and you'll just kind of rub their little, you know, leg. It keeps them connected. I wasn't just put in the seat of no attention and some food was put on my tray. And then, you know, everybody's attention is in a hundred different places just rub them on the shoulder a little bit. And that just extends out the amount of time that you'll have a successful feeding. Um, So it's good. Go over to the Moms on Call, Toddler by Design app, take the quiz, see kind of what those motivators are. And that will help give you such insight into how to have more successful 
feeding experiences. And so with the throwing of the food, so we know that that's normal. We can limit how much food they're being exposed to at a time. We can pull them to the table so that they're a part of the atmosphere that we're creating. But, you know, at which point, what what do you do? I mean, you've got a 14, 15, 16 month old who is just throw and throw and throw. Is there ever a point that Kelly just needs to be like, meal time is over. I'm done. They're done. The dog is happy as can be. So, you know, walk us through maybe a scenario where as a parent, the truth is we just get tired. We get exhausted. We get frustrated. And I don't want to sit here for an hour and clean up the mess. Oh, that's such a great question. And in the uh, toddler book, the toddler resources, we have some options. The nip it in the bud option for those of us who can't handle this. And then, you know, kind of the more relaxed option Okay, um, where we give them, you know, that exploration time. But either way, the important thing to know is that they will not starve. So if you are done And, you know, we don't want them sitting there for more than five to 10 minutes. They have a a 10 to 15 minute mealtime tolerance window. So, you know, just their attention with it isn't going to last forever. So if we have this amount of time and we're just done, we can be done. And here is the clincher. We always have to remind ourselves that they will not starve before the next meal. So what happens then is that they just want a snack throughout the day. And we think, oh, they didn't eat great. We're keeping this tally in our mind of how much they need at each hour of the day. And it's okay to say like, we're done. And the next meal time will be dinner. And then literally the hardest thing is not doing snacks all throughout the day until dinner time. And dinner, they're going to eat really great. And I promise they won't starve. But if we keep that, if that's how that happens on the regular then what they want is to understand how this works. And what you'll see is it will eventually improve the lunchtime and the dinnertime success because it just functions the way that you've designed it to function. And a couple days of, you know, limiting those snacks in between meals because of that and just telling yourself the truth, like we're just developing the rhythm of how feeding works in this household, we're going to just own that, is really helpful in helping them be successful at mealtimes if that's what you're looking for. Now, the other option is we can do just grazing throughout the day. Stop that about two hours before dinner and then have dinner. You know, so there are some grazing options depending on what your life looks like, what abilities you have to be able to indulge you know, some of those more exploratory elements of feeding. So depending on your household, there are a number of ways to manage it. But in the end, they will not throw their food forever. But they can come hang out with Laura and I and we can have squish your nanners day. <laughs> your baby and toddler food questions answered. Welcome to the Moms on Call Snack Attack, brought to you by Spoonful One. So when we're talking about food, Jennifer, what's some of the biggest lies that you have heard or have been told about food? Lies, lies, I tell you. Well, the biggest lie I think I've ever heard was how your child eats at two years old is going to be how they eat forever. 
And that is absolutely not true by virtue of the popularity of the coffee industry <laughs> alone. <laughs> Shoot, I still think that my taste buds are still evolving. I just turned 50 this year and I am loving foods that I didn't love a year or two ago. How crazy is that? Right. So sometimes when you hear these things that sound so um, confident coming from whatever source they come from, just apply your own sensibility, your own judgment, your own experience to it. And don't let anybody ever tell you what your kid is not capable of doing. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. If you have a question for Jennifer and Laura, call 888-234-7979. Visit momsoncall.com for resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive your amazing parenting journey.